Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Jim Huffman. Jim, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Kevin, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. It's really interesting. I mean, it's kind of our pre-chat. We, we know we're on opposite coasts of the country right now, and but yet we probably grew up a lot closer to each other than uh, right in the, the, both of us came from the Midwest. So we were kind of you know talking about how cool the scenery is now from what we, we, we saw when we were growing up. But Jim, if you and I were meeting at a, like a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Oh man, isn't that the worst question? It's like, who are you and, and what do you do? Uh, I get anxiety having to answer that, but I'm like, okay, Jim Huffman, I have a growth marketing agency called Growth Hit, been around for about five years. We build websites, we do ads, we, we do marketing things. And then I'm like, oh, and by the way, we have a, a little startup studio where we launch companies and we've launched two ask me in six years if they're successful or not. <laughs> and then I'll uh, I'll retreat to the corner of the room. So it, it really is interesting. I, and I, I don't want to get ahead of our discussion, but you said something. I was listening to another interview that you had done. You said something about, you know, we two things. You know, you put growth in your name of your company and you kind of almost set yourself up for either, either a really high bar or failure. And the second thing was, it's like, you you know, you've got to, you know, you're eating your own produce now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got to, you really have to deliver if you are the growth marketing agency for your own startup. So what was the, walk us back a little bit and let's just talk about kind of the path that you, you know, you walk to get to this place. So what, what is your startup story? Yeah. I mean, going to, we'll go a little far back. I promise I'll keep it tight, but like I went to school for finance and when I had a finance degree, I literally thought there were three types of jobs you could get. And the coveted one was investment banking. So I was like, that's the path I'll go down. I, I got rejected by over about 75, but one let me in. So I'm an investment banking analyst. But here's where the light bulb started to click. I'm in these meetings for these mergers and acquisition deals. Granted, I'm the analyst in the corner taking notes. I'm not speaking. I have no authority. Yeah. But what, what was blowing my mind was not the people my side of the table. It's the entrepreneur on the other side of the table that's about to sell their company for like $50 million. I was like, man, how do I get on that side? <laughs> So um, I, I want to talk too, <laughs> right? Yeah, I have to words say to something. say. I got That's words. Right. Yeah, they'd only ask me to speak if the numbers were wrong. I was like, oh no. So um, <laughs> so that's when I was like, you know what? I need I need to make a change. And I I got into startups and I didn't know how to code. So that means you're kind of in marketing or sales or business mm -hmm. development. And I was in Dallas at the time and got lucky, got on a New York based startup that was launching their Dallas email newsletter and was lucky enough to grow that. It's like 100,000 people. And I kind of said early on, hey, if I take this job and I do well, can I come to New York to the headquarters? Because the CEO, I was just like very inspired by him. And I think earlier in your career, it's about find the smartest person that will hire you and just be a sponge for them. Mm. And that's what I did. And so yeah. um, I just was a sponge trying to absorb everything. And then I went to another startup and we got kind of lucky that that one was growing. And that's when I started to get connected 
with venture capital firms and other founders. And I was kind of consulting around this thing called growth marketing or growth hacking. Because this was when Sean Ellis, who kind of coined the phrase growth hacking, was really um, putting a lot of content out there. And so the consulting led into me having to make a tough decision. Do I keep working at this startup and consult on the nights and weekends? Or do I go all in and start an agency? And I, I, I made that leap. But the whole time I'm like, this agency isn't the end. It's a, a means to have that big idea and to do yeah. something. Fast forward, it's five years later, I still have an agency, mm -hmm. but um, we've launched the startup studio um, that I'm just so excited about to launch our own products and help entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs. But that that's kind of the winding road of it was following people stumbling and being an accidental entrepreneur with, with an agency. So I, I know what I know I mean when I use those two terms, entrepreneur and entrepreneurs, but for our audience, for, for just for context, set the stage for the difference between those two terms. Yeah, it's it's kind of a risk reward balance the way I think about it. If you're an entrepreneur, the risk is probably going to be greater because you're making that leap from being employed by somebody to being employed by yourself. Yeah. But the the reward should match that, right? An entrepreneur is someone that wants to do things on their own, take an idea and turn it to something um, but maybe they're smarter because you can do it inside of a company to mitigate the risk. Maybe your upside reward isn't as big, but um, you can still get a piece of that. Because at our agency, what we're trying to do is, you know, if we have such a good growth team, why can't we grow our own stuff? So mm -hmm. we're like, let's do that. Um, and the, the only way I can get talent, I'm in Seattle. It is a knife fight for talent. Granted, yeah. we have people all over. The only way I can get talent can work for me rather than a VC-backed startup. If I'm like, hey, can work with the agency. And by the way, you have an idea that you want to turn into something, let's do it. We'll fund it. We'll let you run with it. And then you get a significant upside in it. Um, and so that's us trying to let people go down this entrepreneur path. That I've done, I've done 250 episodes plus, you know, uh, in the last four years. And that's the first time I've ever heard that specific type of model described. And I, I think that's such a unique combination of the agency side of things, but yet kind of the incubator side of things, you know, that's like they had a baby, you know, you, you created this, this new, this new hybrid, you know, model, but so the, the, the thing that comes to mind is that this is, is it a little bit like Google, you know, when they had their, you know, you could spend one day a week or 20% of your time or whatever, working on kind of a disparate type idea and if it works we'll chase it and maybe there's i don't know if they i have no idea if google gave you you know financial reward based on your idea but i mean you're obviously doing that whether it's equity or or you know some rev share or something but um what a what an interesting idea i mean were you just sitting around one day drinking a cup of coffee thought hey we need to do this yeah, you know, I, I love that Google model. It's like 80% work on Google, but 20% of your time or on Fridays come up with the big idea. And I feel like some of their big products came from that, but yeah, I don't and know. Some of their biggest failures too. Right, <laughs> yeah. And they might've even done away with it. I can't recall. But for us, it was, you know, agencies, they get a bad rap and sometimes rightfully so. They can be a hard business to scale. Anything that's people-based is. And so- I, I do love having a growth team and a growth agency, but it's not the best form of 
of leverage or building a scalable business. Mm -hmm. And we've worked now with over a hundred clients. I've seen some business models. I've seen the SaaS business model, the e-commerce business model, like lead gen and B2B. And you're like, wow, I'd love to participate in that. And we know where we're strong, like in websites and marketing. We're not good at building technology. We're not good at manufacturing products. I'm learning that the hard way. But we're like, if we can take what we're good at and then apply that, that's another way to create a, a revenue stream. Because, you know, anybody that has a business, you could take your profits. You could do a lot of things with it. You can go buy an electric car, a yacht. Yep. You can, I don't know, get Botox. For me, I'm like, <laughs> business is just a game. I'm like, I'd rather invest in building other businesses because mm -hmm. this is fun. And it's the key thing is finding the right people that are aligned with that. Um, but where we struggle is, it's hard. I love focus, but when you have multiple businesses, how in the world do you focus? So we're, to be honest, we're still figuring it out. Like for example, our creative director, Angela, extremely talented. She has two main focuses. She does all creative for our ads and for landing pages. But now we're trying to put blinders on her and just focus on the men's direct to consumer brand and essentially be like the GM of that. Mm -hmm. And we're still trying to figure out how that works. But it's this idea at venture capital firms, they have entrepreneurs and residents, then EIR. So we're like, what's the EIR equivalent of an agency where first and foremost, we have to make money with the agency. We have to be profitable because we, we don't, we don't like raise money. If that goes away, like I have to get a real job and that's the yeah. last thing I want to do. Yeah. So that's her top priority. But then secondary with all the free space you have go on this, um, this startup that, that she's leading the charge on. So just, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You, you moved her from this one role to another does that normally automatically translate? Because it, it almost seems like they're they're two pretty distinctly different roles. I mean, the creative side of things, the creative director side of things, to go to like the general manager, you know, or the the, the you know the the uh, managing director or whatever you want to call it of this new whatever it is. It's almost like she's a, the CEO of this new product, you know, type thing. So, did does she have the? I don't want to parse her particularly, but. Does, you know, is, is that an easy transition for people or is that, have you seen that to be hard or uh, it seems like that would be pretty challenging maybe. Yeah, it's very hard because there, there's two things I'm thinking through like early stage companies, you usually need a lot of generalists who can roll up their sleeves mm -hmm. and like, okay, I don't know anything about customer service, but I'll do customer service. Or like, I don't know anything about TikTok, but I'm the TikTok person or, or whatever that is. And that's fine in the early days is being scrappy just by brute force going from zero to one. As you grow, you kind of need to go from generalist to specialist mm -hmm. where a, a path like a creative director, she's kind of doing the opposite where she could be working at some, she's like out of New York, she's worked some big time agencies. She could continue to rise in that level to be a specialist. But again, we all have the common kind of mission of this idea of a startup studio. So she's down to be like, okay, I will play in this generalist lane, knowing that like, I don't know about customer service. I don't know about um, fulfillment, but I will work through that because that's what's necessary right now. But as it grows, it'll be able to fund people to, so she can fire herself from mm. those different things. Yep. But um, you have to get people that have more of a growth mindset than a fixed mindset for that. Because I think you know this as well as an entrepreneur I, like I cringe at the word expert because I'm like, I always need to be learning new skills and mm -hmm. new tasks. Like what got me here won't get me there. And so I try to have that self-awareness of where I am weak 
so I can either learn or I can be like, okay, I'm really weak. Can I please find someone to do that? Because I am not strong there. When, you know, there's that adage that says, you know, hire for talent and train for skill. You know, that the idea that says, I think as you put her in, in those challenging positions, I mean, she's either going to grow or die. I mean, you know, so <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's, it really is going to force her and force your company to, to adapt, you know, to those new, new challenges. And I, I think, you know, that also is a huge opportunity for her to grow in areas that she wouldn't be normally exposed to, you know, if she'd have stayed kind of in that more singular lane, but um, so what's the, you, you kind of got your feet up, obviously you, you did really well in, in just a few years with your growth agency, because to even think about, you know, kind of spinning things off and, and actually funding them. Um, I mean, you've, you've got to have some momentum. So what do you think other than just hard graft, you know, what caused that? Was it good timing in the market? Was, did you find a, a niche that wasn't being met? You know, what were some of the the things that really fell kind of in your favor to see that kind of upward right hockey stick? Yeah, with so with growth hit, we got lucky in that I jumped on a wave as it was forming and it got to get about to get bigger and bigger, where all of a sudden there was huge demand just looking at Google Trends for a growth hack or a growth marketer. And so all of a sudden there's this new category where we need a growth hacker, we need a growth marketer. And that's when I was really getting obsessed. And so that allowed me to enter the market and be one of the leaders. However, mm. because if I would have entered and been like, hey, I'm a new digital marketing agency or I'm an SEO agency, I would have been at the bottom of the list mm -hmm. because there's a million other agencies that have yep. been around a lot longer that would have been eating my lunch. But because we jumped on this new category, we could be thought as like a leader there. So that was one thing that we got a little lucky with. The second was, you know, a huge move to online and really leading into Shopify and e-commerce as that tech stack is growing um, What was very big. And then getting lucky and partnering with VC firms to find distribution for clients and leads, those worked really well. Um, another thing, I really struggle with this where as a business owner, it's like grow, grow, grow. Growth, growth can be dangerous because it takes money and it takes mm -hmm. resources. And if all of a sudden things have a pullback and you don't have the cash reserves, oh boy, you can have some bad conversations. Yeah. And I was super conservative. I was like, okay, I've got to get X amount of cash in the bank before I hire somebody, which means I'm working crazy hours. I'm mm -hmm. burning the midnight oil, but we're profitable. We're very profitable and we're putting cash away. Um, I've actually changed that a little bit. I'm a little bit more aggressive because I'm trying to build a company that can run without me where I'm not the product. Cause for so long I was selling myself and that's exhausting yeah. Yeah. and it's not scalable. I, I didn't right. have a business. It was a lie. I was a glorified freelancer. Mm -hmm. So um, that's um, something that I struggle with. Like how much do you invest in infrastructure and growth? Cause I don't really care about profit. I just care about that's money. I could be investing in other companies. And that's, it's almost like the e-myth, you know, the whole foundation of the e-myth, you know, work on your business instead of in it type thing, because I, I mean, I, the way you describe it seemed a bit self-deprecating, but it, it was exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, you, you were a glorified freelancer because I mean, you, your the product was you and what you could deliver, you know, on that, on that, uh, that space. But so were there, were there specific um, areas that you look at or that you are kind of honing in on, on these startups that you're trying to launch? Are they, is there like, Hey, we got one vertical over here. We're really going to focus on. Yeah, um, there's this, first off, love the E-Myth book. If anybody hasn't read that, stop this podcast, go read it, and then come back and listen <laughs> to the podcast. But um, 
So for us, we're honing in on our investment thesis. And so we have to, we're doing it from one key perspective. Where do we have an unfair advantage? And right now we're doing it in where is it a category where we don't have to have a lot of capital to enter and to thrive? Mm -hmm. And what that means is, well, first, what is our unfair advantage? We're, we're, there's a lot of things we're not good at, but here's what we're good at. We're really good at ads. We're good at building websites. We're good at marketing. And we're actually really good at process and systems. Um, and so what aligns with that? So the idea of a productized service is one that we're very excited about. Like for example, we launched something called One Day Design, which is get a web page design in a day. Mm -hmm. uh, we've gotten that to sixty thousand dollars in revenue in the past like uh, three months because we were able to see where we have an unfair advantage. We're really good at systems, designing web pages. How can we extract out of the agency one thing and make it its own product? Whereas if we had to build a software tool, we don't have any advantage there. So that's one thing that we're looking to play in. Another one is we work with so many Shopify companies, we really understand taking a product to market. So we created um, a men's category, it's dry shampoo pomade. So it's for guys with like long hair, you miss the shower, here's a pomade that doesn't make your hair greasy, it actually makes it dry like you took a shower. Um, so we're trying to create our own category. Um, it's from the book, The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing, Chapter 2, Category Creation. And so we built up a wait list of 1,000 people. We've pre-sold the product. That's where we have an unfair advantage. But let's talk about where we aren't good, is manufacturing a product. Uh, we're at month 14, and I still don't have a product. I have a product that I like, but they're telling me I can't get it till January now. And wow. I'm just like, oh, my Lord. So um <laughs> So we're, we're trying to figure that out. But um, the other thing is there's other ideas and businesses we want to play in, but they're a little bit more capital intensive where mm -hmm. we would need to raise money. Um, we will get there, but not yet. There's another uh, category we're playing in where um, we have um, some people that have acquired companies that already have product market fit but they don't know how to operate them and grow them. And we're looking to actually work with them where they don't pay us, but they actually give us a part of the company. So we're, we're in the negotiations with one company now where we're trying to do that. Um, and so there, there's this book, um, uh, Buy Then Build, that yeah. talks about the hardest thing to do is to go from zero to one, skip that, find companies that have product market fit, buy them, and then grow those mm -hmm. or build those out. And so um, that's another thing that we're looking to de-risk is that product market fit um, category. But um, I'll kind of pause there. Oh yeah, the one thing I want to mention was there's this book that, or the article, The Ladders of Wealth Creation, that talk about the path to go down, the stair-step model of building a business or building wealth. And the first thing is like, go work from somebody, make a lot of money. The second is, Become a consultant or sell your services. Instead of selling it to one company, sell it to a bunch. The, the rung above that is productized service. Above that is selling an e-product. Then it's selling a real product. Then it's selling software. And then it's build a social network or build a marketplace. And those are like the ascending ladders of wealth creation because the valuations with those uh, just rise. And so that, that's a path where we're looking to, to mimic. That uh, that book you mentioned that that's Walker Dybul, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So he was uh, he was an early guest on uh, on Rising Tide. He uh, it's it's interesting. He's he's got mutual. We have mutual friends in in the Midwest, so that 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 actually connected us for the podcast. So 
Um, I thought that book sounded really familiar when you mentioned that. So yeah, it's been in my gears, but um, so the, the idea that you mentioned earlier that, that really kind of jumped off the page at me was this idea that when I asked you how growth happens so quickly, and you said you kind of jumped on a wave early, is that, is that a similar strategy that you can employ with startups? Can you kind of identify like people are moving in a direction and then kind of meet that need, find that starving crowd and feed them type thing? Yeah. And that, that kind of gets into the investment thesis is we really want to see like, where can you get customers where the arbitrage plays in your favor, right? Because they say first time founders focus on product, second time founders focus on distribution. And that's something that we're very obsessed with where you can catch something early. So an example, I got to speak with the Privy CEO. He sold his company to Attentive for probably like nine figures, something insane. And he said his big thing was they launched right as the Shopify marketplace launch where you mm -hmm. could have a Shopify app. And that was just a huge unfair advantage for them where all they did until their sell was focus on being the number one Shopify partner. And he's like, that's it. They caught, caught it at the right time. So the question is, what are those other emerging distribution opportunities that are happening now, right? It's like finding Instagram six years ago or, or TikTok two years ago. Right. Um, one that just kind of like Slack a year ago opened up the Slack uh, app marketplace. That's a place to play. In the past three months, Stripe just opened up their marketplace. Hmm. That's a place to play. Obviously, we're all waiting for the next... Instagram to arrive. Will mm -hmm. that happen? I don't know. Um, but it's really like when you can see those channels emerging, that's a big opportunity. The second thing is what has changed in the world and what are the secondary effect of that, right? As COVID happens, like, oh, wow, remote first is everything. So obviously yeah. Zoom has a, has a huge rise. And so it's it's really trying to think ahead. I'm not smart enough to do that off the cuff or nor if I had a lot of time, but it's something that we're, we're really trying to think through um, and, 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 and be ahead of, because if you can crack that code, oh man, it's um, you have a lot of things working in your favor. You have a lot of tailwinds. Is it when you look at at things like Google Trends and you know other similar sources of you know kind of this zeitgeist you know type data that's out there, are they real time enough to give you that that information to make those decisions on? Is it is it? I'm not trying to just dumb it down to you know just all you got to do is whatever the latest Google trend is, chase that. I mean, obviously that's that's you know eight of those 10, eight of, eight of 10 of those might be gone in a month, you know, type thing. And you've, you've really invested a lot of time and effort into it, but is it, are you looking for kind of those leading indicators that say, you know, this is where we're headed. I mean, you, you mentioned almost like three different like domains that you're looking at you're looking at, you know, what's happening with the weather, you know, what's happening with, you know, society, what's happening in the business world, you know, is, is there money available? Is there, what money, you know, what VC money is chasing what right now type thing. So uh, it seems like it's a, it's just like a, a solar system of information that you're trying to weed through. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's an exhausting exercise, but you can also flip it on its head and, and make it fun where you're like, it's a treasure hunt. So my, my partner and I, we look at a few different things. We look at Crunchbase every day mm -hmm. just to be like, 
not like what company raised money, but just any trends like, oh, wow, telehealth is getting a lot of action or mental health startups are getting a lot of action. That's interesting. Um, another thing that I, I like to read is there's three sources. One is exploding trends where they actually look at Google Trends data and then they synthesize it for you to give you insights. Uh, they'll even do it on specific brands. We're like, oh, this this brand is exploding or this one's actually a little stagnant. Mm -hmm. um, there's CB Insights, which is really fun. And then uh, Trends, uh, which is owned by The Hustle is really fun. And I, I love to just, I just kind of process those and then I like to put some themes together around what I'm I'm seeing or what's interesting to come up with ideas. And some of them will be horrible ideas. Other times you're like, actually, that's worth pursuing. And that's mm -hmm. e even how we came up with one day design. I'll talk about the genesis of that, actually. So I read a stat where I saw that Canva was doing a billion dollars a year in sales. And it just like floored me. For people that don't know, Canva is a very simple yep. tool for building like you know, images for social feeds, or you can make a lot of different design things, but it's a do-it-yourself design tool. And I was like, are you kidding me? A billion dollars for Canva? And I was like, what could we export out of Canva to be premium? We're like, well, people need help designing page it like websites. We're actually pretty good at that. Let's do that and productize it. And that was literally the idea for that with, with seeing just how much demand is there. And, you know, if, companies are publicly traded, it's going to look at that to see if you can get any data or insights on, wow, that line item for them is really blowing up. What's the, the backstory on it? Um, especially if it's somewhere where you can jump in early and own it or create a category. Like for example, everyone's working from home. One of my big guesses is like dining rooms at people's houses are going away. They're becoming home offices. All new homes will have new home office construction attached to it. Um, and by the way, everyone needs help setting up and installing their home office. There should be like a geek squad just for home offices. You yeah. know, you have, um, I think it's called like Made, I forget, uh, it's, it's a really cool renovation company where as the pandemic hit, everybody was redoing their bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And this person's just like, we are a service. Well, all we do is redo bathrooms. And mm -hmm. I forget how much they raised, but it's like a hundred million dollars or something insane. But it's, it's things like that, that um, really get my wheels spinning. I mean, it's a kind of a silly example, but, uh, you know, my, my parents TV that was on the wall is, you know, kind of on the fritz getting somebody to come out and take the TV off the wall and bring a new TV from Best Buy or Target or Amazon or wherever and install it for them, you know, in home, been there, they would be there 30 minutes, maybe, you know, it's a couple of hundred bucks, you know, for the, to do that. And they're two weeks out you know, or three weeks out on, on being able to deliver on that. I'm thinking, you know, that, that is a huge gap. And the, as, as society ages, as, you know, kids and parents live on opposite ends of the coast and I can't physically, you know, go help type thing. I mean, that, that's another, you know, gap that, that you, you, you know, just, you see. And as you're, as you're looking at these, these external sources, you know, you, I think things will just coalesce in your mind too. You know, you'll you just you just kind of know. Hey, I, now I've seen that three different times. Now it's starting to you know. Hey, there's something there. You know, to to really chase. Yeah, um, and I do love scratching my own itch. Like you said, like that's a problem you have, and then you're like, wait a minute, is this problem something that other people have? Which you're absolutely right. Like the amount of like baby boomers that are that are aging into retirement and beyond. It's like wow, that's a macro trend that's only going up and to the right. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, so it's like your problem 
is there a big TAM total addressable market? Mm -hmm. And three, will people pay for it? Absolutely. It's like, those, those are three good qualifiers right there. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm uh, I need to pause right now because I'm going to go register the, we'll put your flat screen on your wall.com. <laughs> Get that trademark. Get it in. That's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Well, man, I, I, uh, it's exciting to see, just to hear the story of, of, uh, you know, what you've got going and, and uh, I, I love the kind of almost three pronged approach, you know, you're looking at the, the three legged stool, you know, the, um, the growth agency, plus these, these startups and the kind of the startup idea and factory that you're, you're creating. But uh, is there anything else on the kind of on the drawing board that is that you're thinking about that? Okay, this, this might be the next iteration after we get, get some startups rolling. Is this, you know, what's, I mean, I know you're thinking much larger than what you're sitting on right now. Yeah, it's, I don't know if this is exciting for people or not, but it's, it's really building the process and the machine to do this in a scalable and repeatable way that actually aligns with people's lifestyle of having mm -hmm. kids and other things. Because when you play the long game, you don't have to be so crazy day in and day out. Granted, if you saw my day to day, it'd be like, Jim, what are you talking about? You've had a crazy day, <laughs> but it's, it's just trying to set that up because even with the agency, we're using the EOS system, entrepreneur mm -hmm. operating system to do it, not just for the agency, but we're like, we need to perfect how to run business so we can do that with other businesses. Yep. We're trying to get the rep of how do we acquire a company? So we're going through that right now of like a deal. And then also how can you not be the product or not be the day-to-day -day person and hire a general manager or get a CEO to run it? These are all things we don't have experience in that we're trying to get reps in to, to do this again and again. But, um, but yeah, so it, it's kind of boring to talk about systems and process, but um, discipline is what leads to the freedom of, of doing mm -hmm. what you want and doing these ideas. So that's something that we're, we're pretty laser focused on right now. The, uh, the one day website builder uh, service that you have to me, that's almost like counterintuitive to kind of the rest of the things that you've talked about, because it looks like to me that that is, that is almost limited in scale because you're actually doing the work. You know, and when you look at a Canva, I mean, they're they're virtually providing like templates for you to do it yourself type thing. Is the is the idea that this would grow into something like that, or is it is it solely designed that you will in 24 hours you're going to build me a website for two grand or whatever that that magic number is? Um, what's the what's the end game with with that particular idea? Are we just in phase one? Yeah, I mean, the ideal end game would be eventually AI will eat our lunch, where it won't be like one day design, it'll be like one second design, mm. right? Where you're seeing it with copy AI and like images, eventually that that could happen. Yeah. And we'd love to have the audience, the customer list to be able to bring in the right partner to be able to to go that path. But again, I'm I'm talking out of my realm of expertise right now, but that's something that as I look at what's going on there, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but as far as scalability, like whenever something is scalable, you have to have leverage, right? Money is leverage. Technology is leverage. People is leverage, which is leverage because it's, it's hard. It's, you know, atoms, not bits or whatever, but it's still very scalable um, because even like 
um, design pickle and other things have scaled. So where we have an unfair advantage is actually hiring overseas and running process and systems. And so we will definitely max out, but we're even hiring ahead of that. Mm -hmm. So we actually think it can still scale pretty well, but it can't scale to like a Canva, uh, that, that'd be insane. Um, but um, we, we do see some, some fun potential there. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And I, and I think if you, you know, you mentioned the TAM earlier, I think when you look at the TAM of web, website building versus what Canva's, you know, addressable market, it, it's just a different animal. I mean, it's social media stuff. It's, you know, I'm going to do a garage sale sign. I mean, it's, it's virtually everything design related. So it's, it's a much broader market, but uh, man, I, I, uh, I am really impressed with what you built and and uh, the, what you've got going. And I, I can just tell just in the short time we've had this, this call that, you know, your mind is, is continually churning, you know, on, on ideas. And you, you probably struggle a little bit with the shiny object syndrome. You might have to have somebody like sitting on your right side going, okay, uh, no, we, we need to focus on what we're doing today. <laughs> Oh that, man, that, that pretty you, uh, you're pouring salt in the wound right there. <laughs> you're exactly right. I mean, I think every, well, I think everybody does, but it's, it gets especially bad when you're like, it's okay. We have a startup studio, you know, because one thing that's dangerous with a startup studio is if something's not going well, you can work, go work on the other thing. If you just have one thing and it doesn't mm -hmm. go well, you're going to grind it out and make yeah. that thing happen. But it's yeah. also impact. I really struggle with okay, I have two hours of free time this afternoon. Where does that go? And that's why I look at like where I can have the biggest impact and it's empowering the right people to focus on those things. But um, yeah, shiny object syndrome is very real and I struggle with it every single day. So if you have the answers, please let me know. <laughs> but I think my answer is I need to be better at saying no rather than yes. Because like, you can't say yes to the good ideas because it could compromise the potential great ideas. Right, right. That, I think that's an inherent trait in all great entrepreneurs, though. I think they they fight shiny object syndrome. I think it, that's what gets them to where they go. I think the the ability to to consider and chase, you know, the the things that that uh, you know. Sometimes we just need a little constraints, you know, built around that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, my I think I exhaust my wife sometimes because she'll catch me <laughs> where the wheels are still going or like going on a date. She'll like humor me. Then she'll be like, can we just like talk about the kids for a second? I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But she'll, she'll humor me sometime and she'll pitch me some good half-baked ideas. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny that it's like, you can go so far, but you know where that line is. That she just will make that very clear. Here's the line. You don't cross it. Yep. And thank you. Uh, thanks for taking time today. And as, as we wrap up, I just, do you have just one, one piece of advice for like a, a, want to be founder, you know, that's further behind you on the journey that, you know, if you just say, this is one thing that I, I if I'd have known this, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever that, that magic date is, it would have made a big difference regardless of whatever it is that you, you are trying to, to uh, create and start. But what's, what's one major piece of advice that you would give to, to somebody that is considering this path? Yeah, I think it's just start. Like, it's so easy to like think you're working hard and you are, but you're like in your spreadsheet, you're in your mind, you're in your, your, your notes on your iPhone, put something out there and just get a response. Just start. I don't care how like half baked it is. Just do it because 
I myself, I like didn't start my own little personal blog for like three years. Cause I was like, Oh, I gotta like do it right. I gotta do the right thing. Even the podcast, I took like three years. Cause like, Oh, I gotta get the right name. And that really set me back. But I was like, you know what? I'm just doing, it. I put a due date on it and I put stuff live. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But by putting yourself out there, by building in public, by sharing the opportunities that come from that can be transformative. That's how I found mm. my co-founder was I was building in public and he saw me struggling and he's like, Hey, we should talk. Now he's my business partner for life, you know? And it's just yep. start, put yourself out there. Amazing opportunities can come from that. And um, I wish I would have done that much earlier in my career. Man, what a great way to wrap up today, Jim. I, once again, I do thank you for taking time today and just uh, sharing your, your story and, and just what a great conversation. What a great time it's been to uh, just kind of, bounce things back and forth and, and, uh, kind of hear, you know, the, the why behind some of the things that you've done. And, and I think are going to be so helpful to those that, that, uh, are, like I said, further behind on the journey, but man, thank you again for just taking time and just really playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Jim, have a great weekend. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Loving the podcast. Keep it going. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.